welcome to the Unapologetic Connections podcast. We are spicing things up, having no podcast hosts, no scripts, and bearing it all completely unedited. We are a group of entrepreneurial women who believe in true, deep, unapologetic stories. Because life isn't always Instagram worthy. Life is messy, unpredictable, and can rock you to the core. It's time to unmask and show all aspects of ourselves unapologetically. Let's come together, rock this thing called life, and support the heck out of each other. Because ain't nobody got time for the mask of judgment. Get ready to connect, share, and feel the unedited love of unapologetic connections. Welcome back, Connections. I am Anna Mullins. I am the owner of the Unapologetically Her Show and all of this unapologetic stuff you've been hearing about and listening to. Um, But I am in a room with a bunch of my girlfriends today and a bunch of, obviously, our podcast contributors and speakers at the Unapologetic Connections Agency. And that's why I'm really excited and proud to be introducing this week's topic, which, again, is brought to you by our sponsor, Nude Vodka Soda. This particular topic is so fun. And it is called How to Make Female Friends. And the reason I love this topic so much is that I hear time and time again from not only clients, but also the online community, that women, as we kind of age out of the school system and out of colleges and maybe into workplaces, or particularly as maybe solopreneurs where we're working alone and feeling alone, uh, we have no idea how to make friends anymore. We don't know what those conversations look like. We don't even know how to start them. That's why we're going to start them here today with you. So I am sipping on a nude at the moment, and with me is Ashley McIver, health coach. I've got Kathy Buchanan from Balancing Energy, Jessica Houston from Glitter and Grace Coaching, and Haley Lowen, of course, our editor-in-chief, who is an innovation coach. So ladies, that's what you do for a living, but I will tell you first and foremost, you are all my closest friends, I think, on this planet. I feel like I have a lot of great friends, but this particular community of women is amazing. What can I say? Let me start with you. Ashley, how do you feel about making female friends? What does that mean to you? Well, at this point in my life, I feel pretty good about making female friends. I find it pretty easy to find my people now. I think that I know myself more now, Mm. so that makes it really easy to connect. Because it wasn't always easy for you. I know you've mentioned that before on on past podcasts that making women friends, female friends was really difficult for you. So what changed? Why is it different now? I think just because I'm honest. Mm-hmm. About. I think just, Maybe because, too I'm, honest just because I'm open and honest. And I think once you're open and honest, then you connect more with other women. Because once you tell them your feelings and how you're feeling, they're going, oh, fuck me too, buddy. That sort of yes. thing. That's really what what's done it for me. And when I started to recognize what was going on within myself and dealing with that, then it was easier for me to just be out there, be real, mm-hmm. and just... So you would say it true. takes the self-work first before the connection? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Totally. I always say that, I mean, the Me Too movement, we all know what that is, hopefully by now. It's a political movement, not political, I would say societal political movement, um, based around women and sexual assault. But the Me Too movement, I think we've all known at some level on many, many, many other issues, which is why I think it's so important, because it's really about people saying, 
this is who I am. And guess what? Oh my God, me too. My house is also a mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And I'm unapologetic for it. And I'm unapologetic. Yeah. Or, you know, I had a terrible day too. Me too. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with my kids or I'm struggling in my marriage or I'm struggling at work. Me too. Mm -hmm. And it's that feeling like I really, I, I can feel it in my body as I'm saying it. You sort of just shrink back a little bit in the best way, like a big deep sigh, like your shoulders will drop when somebody else validates your experience. And that is, I think it's what I feel about you ladies for sure. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about stuff, I've never had any one of you say, what? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you mean? Life is challenging, <laughs> right? So what is, is it about opening up about our challenges? Like, what is it, Jessica? Well, I think it's also being vulnerable, right? This group mm -hmm. in particular um, we've become really close with each other because we've allowed each other into our most vulnerable places. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> that our most vulnerable stories. How about that? <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> and I think that's what really is um, connecting us, right? We all know our... We know about each other. We know but what's what happening. If we, and... What if we do that, though? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. What if we get super vulnerable mm -hmm. with somebody and it's either not reciprocated or it's not validated or the compassion doesn't seem to be there on the other end? Does that change that experience when you're trying to make a new friend and you're trying to show up honest, like Ashley said? For me, it does now. Before it, it didn't, I would just take on anybody that would be willing. <laughs> but much like men, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I have boundaries now. And if it's that hard to form a friendship with somebody, then they're just not my people. Oh. Yes. So, so if there's left that in the past thinking, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. That yes. Verbal puked everywhere and yes. now they're judging me. Yes. And how can I fix that? And how can yeah. I make them my friend? And how can I make them connect? And yes. what can I do differently? And it would all be about stress over how I would be able to connect mm. with that person. Where mm. now I look at it and I'm like, well, if they want to judge me, peace out. Like, yeah. okay, next. Yeah. You're you know? not my people. You're not my people. Yeah. And I just disengage and move on. But what is that? What is that called, Kathy? When you get to the point where I don't want to use the term don't care because I think uh, particularly as women and, and I mean, human beings in general, there isn't really a don't care mode because when we don't care, it usually means that we've like really shut off emotionally. Like something is right. Mm -hmm. What is, what is the distance that creates that, um, that ability to disengage when you're not seeking or seeing the validation that you're hoping for? I feel like you're saying it's not about not caring. It's about not having what's going on around maybe trigger you or it doesn't resonate with you. You're just not feeling the love, so to speak, from that person. So you're thinking, okay, well, maybe that's not my person. I mean, depending on your situation of sharing or oversharing, which we've covered before in the past, it may be a situation of did you overshare? That is possible, depending on the situation. But like um, Law said before, it's just about finding your people. And if that's not your person, then that's totally okay. Mm. Yeah. I'm just loving this your people conversation. I'm really like, <laughs> I'm intrigued by it um, because I build connection and community. That's my whole why. That's why I do everything on the unapologetic mission and movement. And I, I'm just really, really deeply intrigued by who your people are, finding them. What does that really mean? How do we define that, Haley? Well, you know, it's really difficult for me because when I was younger, my people were boys, like, and that's where I sought, and I, I sought out validation 
or who I was. Like I didn't have that with women. I don't know. I It was really difficult for me to connect with them. I felt like because maybe I was friends with the guys that I was kind of shunned. So it's been really difficult for me to make women friends, even as an adult. It's only now with me, again, you, like you were saying, the self-discovery and really letting down a lot of walls and who I thought women were because I'd been like almost, there's some trauma there to who mm. I thought women were because I was teased so much. Oh, okay. I love that. Yeah. I don't love that. No, I, I love that. <laughs> I'm intrigued by that conversation. I should reframe that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was really difficult to fully trust in a female relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's only until now that I've actually like stepped into that. And I think it's because everybody's equally as vulnerable. And it's not mm-hmm. like somebody's sitting in the corner kind of like not saying anything and looking at me and like tapping their foot and being like, you know, okay, Haley, when are you going to be fucking old? Like, when are you going to shut up already? You know, <laughs> like we don't really care where that was a part of my life. Oh, yeah, so I don't feel that now, and it's wonderful. I'm so sorry for you for that. Oh, it's I hate that you had that experience, but um, I didn't have that experience, which is why I had that like kind of reaction to you in the middle of your sentence. What a surprise, Anna. <laughs> um, <laughs> what can I say? I love a good microphone. That there's a trust issue with knowing or not knowing the reaction that women will have towards you. Mm-hmm. Ashley, can you speak to that a little bit. Well, when you were talking, I realized that we're friends because I can connect with your story completely. I was very much like that, uh, especially through high school. Um, I would seek my validation the exact same way. And I did not connect with women at all. And the women that did friend me, and I'm using air quotes, were not my real friends. They were they lied. They were untrue. They weren't good to me. They weren't good. They didn't provide me with any positive service at all. They were just unhealthy and not the kind of women that true friends are like yourselves. Mm. I connect with you completely in your story. It wasn't until I was open and honest and shared my story and had complete empathy for myself and for other women that I developed those female friendships that are friendships for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard right? Because you have a lot of past trauma. Like it's only now I'm 35, I think 39. Yeah. So it's taken a long time in order to trust women and develop that. But it took us really standing in our truths, which could have been like lost a long time ago because of all the pain that we went through as a kid. So like we've really rediscovered ourselves and who like we maybe were when we were younger too. And now we have all these people here that are like, yeah, Haley, you know, and Ash, you, you're, you guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for sharing your story. We can relate with you mm-hmm. and you feel accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's just like, oh my gosh, I, I wish I had that when I was younger. And I really hope for that from, for my daughter. I'm going to really, really infuse that into, into her life, like how to create boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. So that you are protecting yourself, but not in a way that's fear related. Mm -hmm. And then also like when you find that tribe of girls, love them, be there for them, talk, support each other. Mm -hmm. You know, no, I completely agree. I always say to my daughter, you should never have to try super hard to make friends and you should never have to try and please them for you. For them to like you, excuse yeah. me, because that's what I did my whole childhood with female friends, yeah. and it got me nowhere. Yeah, mm. it's exhausting. 
exhausting. exhausting. So yeah. I, as you're speaking, I have so much sympathy for the child that was you because I can completely ditto. relate. Yeah, ditto. Mm-hmm. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Cheerio. Aww. You just going to say, if you guys don't mind, if I pop in, um, just thinking you as you repeated back the words to me about not, or you finding your people. As when you reset that, I was like, interesting. Because I don't know that I would even want to say that someone isn't my person because I almost feel like that is saying there's something wrong with them, which yes, isn't true. That's funny. I felt that too. Yeah. It was so when you said it, I was like, it just felt really heavy when you said it. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking it, I think what it comes down to is that person, whatever area they are or stage they are in their journey, they're maybe just not ready to share yet. They're not ready to be comfortable and confident in who they are. So it doesn't mean there's anything wrong necessarily with us or where we are. They're just not quite there yet. They're not quite willing to connect or be vulnerable. Or I'm so I glad never... you said that. I can totally mm-hmm. relate to that. Totally yeah. and completely. Because I would be the person, because I, I was burned for so many years, I was the person in the corner that was just like, I don't know if I should say anything. Am I going to be judged for what I say? As soon as I open my mouth, they're going to think that I'm stupid. You know, so I totally can relate to that. And then I, people could have looked at me like I was a snob. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't she oh, wanting to be, right. like, in this conversation? Right? She's not saying anything. She's yeah, just, why aren't you engaging? Yeah, why aren't you engaging? Oh, she's probably just in the corner judging everybody. You know, and that's... and But it was me and my insecurities. And I, I wanted to say something so badly, but I was so... I was frozen mm-hmm. in my own insecurities. That I'm going to be judged just like I was in high school. Okay, I just so love that we brought this up because I think, I mean, as always, we always lead from a place of compassion. Every single one of us does. And I think that's a really good lesson, not just for us here, but for people listening, that it may not be that somebody is intentionally trying to not me to you. Right. And I use I use the me too thing lightly and I do not want to minimize the context by which it's grown for sexual assault survivors. So um, please know when I say that I, I mean it in the um, the two word sense, the the validation sense. Um, but when we don't have that, it might just be that somebody's timing or somebody's journey is at a different place. And knowing we use the word around here a lot, lovingly releasing versus um, feeling attached to whatever they're projecting onto you, right? People meet you where they are, not where you are, mm-hmm. right? One of my other mm-hmm. cliche things I say way too often, I'm sure. Um, but just really witnessing that from, I'm so glad you said this, Kathy, just witnessing from a more compassionate standpoint, but then also intentionally focusing on what brings you joy and happiness and well-being, mm-hmm. which is to be with um, a community of women who are at the place where they can really see you and are ready to see you. And that's what I, that's really what this community for me feels like. Does yeah. that feel like that for you? Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about, um, what about when you have to release a friendship that you're not ready to release? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a tough one, right? It is. A, it re- Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I've had that happen a couple times in um, my adult life where there's women that you've had in your life for a long, long period of time and you think are forever friends and then something happens and or, or nothing happens even and all of a sudden um, you just don't have that connection anymore. I used to struggle with that quite a lot, but um, as I've gotten older and done some work on myself, I've realized that I can lovingly release them and just realize that we're just in different places in our lives now. 
And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or that I've done something wrong. It's just that we don't have that same connection anymore. And it's mm-hmm. time to just separate and, and walk away. Mm-hmm. Lovingly release. Mm-hmm. And witness their journey. And I think, I mean, I always want to say there's this connection thing. There's this compassion thing. And then we're going to circle back to this because I actually have a really funny story I want to add in right now. <laughs> I think my, I don't know why, but it's popping up. And so I feel like it's necessary to talk about right now because we're fairly impulsive around these parts. But I do want to circle back on competition in women. Mm-hmm. And there is a general view that women are worse to each other, you know, than even the system can be. So I want to circle back to that. So please somebody remind me before we finish recording this. But at the moment, I just had this thought. <laughs> um... It's just, I don't know why I'm saying this. Why am I doing this? Um, About when Ashley and I first met and how Ashley and I became friends and how we connected. Um, (laughs) It's such an embarrassing story. Why am I doing this? Because I'm drinking nude vodka. (laughs) One moment. So Ashley and I first actually met. So prior to her taking the speaker training program or anything, we became friends outside of what I do for a living, which I think is really an important part of this context as well. Because sometimes we just meet in these programs and we get vulnerable and it feels a lot easier. Um, Ashley and I met because our daughters danced together. So they danced, I don't know, jazz or some shit. I don't remember. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And... I was pregnant with my second child at the time. I was seriously like socially anxious. I was really going through a lot of like the the deeper depression and trauma at the time for myself. So I didn't really engage. And my husband would take my eldest daughter to dance every week. And Ashley would take her daughter to dance every week. So our daughters are Sophie and Ava and they would dance together. And my husband Mark would go and Ashley of course was there with her daughter and I was at home being pregnant and miserable and alone. And after a few weeks or a few months, my husband would come home and say, you really need to meet Ashley. She's this mom at dance. I'm like, (laughs) 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 hilarious. What are you doing every week at dance where you made a female friend, husband? So my insecurity was getting the best of me. I mean, you know, everyone out there who's ever been pregnant or feels that weight of just feeling like you are so outside of your own body. You don't you know, believe you're sexy anymore. You don't feel like your husband is looking at you, which I think he was more than ever, but um, going, oh, great. That's cool. So he's made a female friend to dance when I'm at home miserable. That's awesome. So I was really like, my back was up about this. And then one day I had to go because it was parent watch week or something mm-hmm. to that effect. So I had to go and meet like the infamous Ashley at dance. And I'm like, oh Lord, like, what is this woman going to be all about? She's probably been like, you know, talking to my husband every week, flirting it up. Like this is in my mind. I'm creating this whole big story about another woman. So I go to dance that day. I'm probably eight and a half months pregnant, right? Like I was, you were big. ready. You were ready to go. I was pretty ready quick. to pop. You were two weeks out or something. And I looked that way from five weeks on. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it's just the way I carry. So I get to dance studio and I meet Ashley and she's a bombshell, of course. Like you can't see her through the podcast, but she's beautiful and, you know, it's conventional definition of beauty. So I'm like internally, I'm like crying and I sit down next to her and she starts talking to me. And the first question she says is, are you okay with me sharing this? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she says, how are the hemorrhoids? <laughs> Out of nowhere. And I'm like... Oh my God, she's my people. (laughs) This is my girl. 
Aww. Like, it was so Aww. moving to me, I can't tell you, to just have this, like, instant connection with somebody who was willing to be honest and real and see me in the state I was in at eight and a half months pregnant and feeling wretched. And my response was, they're fucking terrible. Oh, no. They're so painful. I'm so sorry <laughs> to even load this onto you. I don't even know you. I've never met you. But it was funny because... Instant connection. Every time Mark would come to dance... We would talk about Anna and my husband and everything, and it just became just honestly this just a friendship. Just and I felt like I knew Anna because he would always be speaking of her and the kids, and it was I was on a first name basis basis with his daughters, and it just I said you got it. I want to meet Anna. We should all go to dinner. I'll get Kevin, and we'll all go to dinner. And uh, we did go to dinner. We've we've been on a few dinners since then, <laughs> a few concerts, late nights out. We've really like cemented the friendship. <laughs> but I will say that it was this moment of just this like pure sigh of relief of knowing that she was connecting with me on a woman level. I don't know what how else to really describe that particular mm-hmm. moment. And I remember leaving and saying, and we, this was true. We had a birthday invitation for Ava to give to Sophie. At dance because they had connected but I hadn't met Ashley yet so that's always a struggle you never know like you know do you bring the mom to the birthday party what do you do right and I stopped her in the parking lot and said oh my goodness I almost forgot I because we had been talking so much about hemorrhoids so we totally forgot to share the <laughs> so in the parking lot I stopped you and I gave you the invitation and I remember your reaction was like this has really touched me thank you so much for reaching out and for inviting us to the party mm-hmm. And I can remember your face. I can remember the the conversation. And I mean, honestly, from this point forward, I can say, like, you and I are life are friends. Like, there's no breaking this up. Right. You were. It started with hemorrhoids, but you know. When I met you, (laughs) that was the first time, I think, in forever that I had a real connection. I could cry right now. She's just actually reached out and touched me too, and I want to just you know that was it. That was it. And then my life just became. I almost want to say easier. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yes. So I thank you for that. Well, I thank you for like bringing up the real stuff and the hard stuff because it's not easy. I mean, I'm not encouraging people out there to start asking women about hemorrhoids. <laughs> it's not necessarily a really good opener. But I might find my forever friend. You yeah. might find my forever friend. That's right. You, yeah. you just never know. And I think that's, I mean, I'm circling back to this. It's a hilarious story, obviously. But I mean it when I say that it can sometimes be the scariest thing to do. But to talk to another woman about the things that matter, the risk you take is that they go, you're crazy. And they leave and they walk away and they stay in their own um, story and whatever it is they believe normal conversation should look like. Um, Or you potentially risk getting one of the best friendships of your life. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. You're not risking it all though. Because if you're not with them as friends, if you're not never never friends, you say something, they don't like it or you don't feel it. Well, who cares? You've lost nothing. You haven't, it's not, you know what I mean? You're not walking away. You've possibly gained and you just... You never know. We've mm-hmm. lost a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you feel embarrassed for a moment, but what the hell? We've all right. had those moments. And <laughs> I, I think, I mean, Ash and I probably were destined to be friends anyway, but I wonder if it would have been any different if you had shown up in less honesty on that day. If you would have been... Sure, for sure would. Like, how yeah. long it would have maybe taken us, if at all, to meet each other. 
at that place, I mean, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like if you would have said, yeah, your husband, he was really sexy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was really sexy. <laughs> I've been having some great talks with him. And honestly, I always... Dance is my favorite time of day. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, you have hemorrhoids? Oh. It was very important. So yeah. that being said, that being said, for, for me, it was very important for me to meet you. Because I was engaging with him every week when we would bring the kids and we were talking. So it was important for me to meet Anna totally. yeah. and say, hey, I'm Ash and I had hemorrhoids too, buddy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like that, it was it, that was important to me because I felt like that was how it should go, you know. Totally. Can so. I can I say that I felt like a bit of an outsider even coming into here? Because you guys were a part of the first unapologetic speaker training. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the second. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know your guys' story. Oh, right. So when we first started this, I was so shit scared. So we were in the other room. So we were in a bigger room. Our sound was not the greatest. So the first like few podcasts weren't you know the greatest. And we had more people. And I felt so much pressure to perform that I listened back to those. And I'm like, like I'm already, I always stumble over my words. It's just who I am. But it was really bad because I sensed that like fear. It was that fear, the fear of judgment still. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's still like, yeah, you put yourself out there. You take a risk. If you don't, like, I didn't know your story, Jessica. I didn't know your story, Kathy. You know, like I didn't know your story, Ash. I knew a little bit of your story, Anna, from taking the mm-hmm. program, but I really didn't. Like when I first came into the program, I was so scared. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so scared. And I felt really intimidated by you, Anna. Oh. Yeah, like hugely intimidated. Yeah, and I was just like, I was just like, I feel like an idiot. This is my story, right? I'm stupid. So I felt like an idiot. And then uh, I think it was like the third week or something, we got to sit down and kind of define our story and what we were going to tell and speak about. And I started getting a little bit more comfortable. But it wasn't until like, I don't know, maybe the last week where it was just like, okay, I'm opening up a little bit more. And I shared a little bit more of my story that was just like, well, duh, Haley, why didn't you say this a long time ago? Let's put this in your speech. That it was like, oh, okay, I can be more open. Oh, okay. Because you, you helped to validate me and my story. And so did the other women. And I, like I said, I'd never had that before. So knowing that you guys had been in the program definitely helped me with my insecurities of bringing this podcast forward. But because I wasn't a part of your group, I still felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like that now? No, I don't feel like that now, but I <laughs> did. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I feel like, I mean, listen, I get, we all do, right. We get our backs up about things and, and people and maybe even other women, but I don't know anymore that I have the capacity to be super judgmental yeah mm-hmm. like I my own you. shit is triggered every now and then and so I'm like oh dear right something's coming up for me but I don't know that I even could look at somebody first and foremost without seeing them for their experience first mm-hmm. and witnessing that compassion first and then separately going, okay, there's some things here we want to talk about or we need to bring up or we need to work on trust or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what shifted for me or what has shifted. I think it's just the personal work. It's the spiritual journey. It's meditation. It's knowing how deeply connected we all are and wanting us all really to get to that level. But I don't know. I kind of, I really want to throw this to you, Kathy. I feel like this is just, this is your realm mm-hmm. right here is that that understanding, that deeper understanding of our connectedness. 
Yeah, I love that, the connectedness. I just feel like in the last couple of years with doing what I'm doing, I feel that I now, like, I don't, kind of like what you're saying, I almost don't know how to be another way now. Mm. Like, there isn't relationships without the connection. There isn't, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I just really feel that appreciating people for where they're at, mm-hmm. acknowledging where they're at. Um, I don't know if you guys ever feel about when you've gone through some growth, spiritual growth, whatever you want to call it, um, that struggling with wanting to help people along their journey and what to say and what not to say and have I said too much. And like you see someone desperately struggling and probably we've all felt yes. that with the businesses that we do really wanting to jump in there and say, well, if you just looked at it this way, or if you just did this, or that, which is very ego centered coming from, right. And, and, but yeah, I really struggle with that. Like what to share, what not to share. Is this person ready for it? Or is it me who's not ready? Mm. So realizing that in the communication with friendships and finding connections, is it that we're not ready for that person's connection or they're not ready for us? Or is it just we're on two totally different paths? It's kind of going off in a weird direction, but no, I think this is really good because it's about sitting in that assessment, right? Mm-hmm. And we do because every time we show up, our ego does show up too, and we're trying to think like, do they like me? Do they not like me? Should I do this? 100%. Should I do this? What can I do more to either serve or whatever, or to connect deeper? I think we all do that, and I think that's part of this. Like, how are we making female friendships? Well, there's always a step one, mm-hmm. which is like, do I ask about the hemorrhoids? Exactly. <laughs> is she ready for that conversation? Where do we go? Right? As you mm-hmm. say that, I'm actually in my head going, I can't believe that's the first thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> but look at us now. <laughs> right. So yes. It probably wasn't the first thing. It was the first thing that I remember. Right. Being, it, I'm sure we had the niceties. I'm sure it was like, hi, nice talk. to meet you. Yeah. Today, like dance like you know we yeah. probably did do that I'm sure but I'll never remember the story that way because what I remember so much is feeling <laughs> like I could do that whole I called it shrink earlier and I hate that word now but um just the sigh of relief the like mm-hmm. oh I can be I can let go my guard mm-hmm. down I can really just be exactly who I am mm-hmm. and yeah, that that's more memorable to me. It's an emotional response, and therefore I remember that being our first interaction. I'm sure <laughs> maybe it wasn't quite always, so crazy like that. I always say when you meet somebody, well, I say this now, but when you meet fem- a female and you can be yourself and say whatever you want and walk away knowing that you're okay with who you are, then you found your person, yeah, or your people, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, hundred percent agreed. And when you can be vulnerable and not feel judged in any way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you girls talk about with your girlfriends? I mean, this is that five of us talk about stuff all day long. (laughs) So I'm sure we could like spill the beans right now. But what is what comes up? Like, you know, when I I, you think about like the best girls night of your life, Mm -hmm. right? If you actually go back in time and you think that moment felt so good to me. Why did it feel so good? I'm not talking about the nude vodka that was, <laughs> but like, why did it feel connected? What were you talking about? What were the deeper issues? Like, what were the topics that came up that really bonded you? Being inhibited, I think for, for me. like Inhibited or yeah. uninhibited? Uninhibited. Yes. Yeah. Being uninhibited. Yes. <laughs> what, but what does uninhibited Haley look like? I mean, we kind of know a little bit, but well, like, I, let's I feel share. like you need to be like you know, dial it in a little bit, like when you're in a podcast or when you're in a a group of like professional people and we're doing something professional, when we're outside of this, sometimes we can be 
a little bit more, I don't know, wild and carefree and talk about shit that maybe we don't want to be aired out in public. Sure. <laughs> right? And well, I know we're unapologetic. But, like, now, yeah. I want you, now I want you to air it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like what? I know. And I know, no, I know we're unapologetic. That's when we talk about some really deep, deep things. But, like Kathy was just saying, some of the stories that we can't share because they're not ours to share or, you know, we have to kind of, like, think about our, our husbands or our kids or whatever. Uh, and there's a little bit of a boundary there. So when there's no boundaries, there's lots of trust and you can just kind of have a glass of wine and be uninhibited, right? Uninhibited. Be (laughs) uninhibited. There's just this fun around Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And you you know that you're not being judged because everybody else is being uninhibited. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you really like talk about your feelings. Like how a situation made you feel. How you felt before that or leading up to it or after. Just you're so much more comfortable saying, well, even if someone says something. You're thinking, oh, I don't like that or I don't love it. Would you feel comfortable to say that? Yeah. And say this makes me feel this way or I feel like I don't agree with you like you mm. feel a bit more free to have those connective and you can get you know sexual judging <laughs> you can you can get sexual you can talk about sex and yeah. it's it's nice to be able to talk about that with your girlfriends and you know there be, there be no filter I mean the, the microphone is a bit of a filter I'm not going to talk about doing my husband right now but you would if you're at lunch with a girlfriend but I would if I was yeah yeah totally has it ever crossed over into gossip oh yeah talk about that yeah. I definitely think it has mm-hmm. um I think as we become more self-aware though that happens less and less mm-hmm. right before I can fully admit that before mm-hmm. I had done any internal work yeah I used to be pretty bad at gossiping or pretty good depending on how you want to look at it <laughs> um where now I kind of look at it differently like we were talking about earlier looking at the person and sort of with compassion and thinking mm-hmm. where they're coming from instead of judging mm-hmm. I love gossip just in general as like a concept, not to, mm-hmm. <laughs> not to sit around and gossip, but because it was the first language of humans. It was the first type of communication. So if you look at the history of gossip, it actually uh, is the first way that people started to talk about other tribes and other people. Mm-hmm. So I will say it probably contributed to segregation. It contributed to, you know, we need to do this first or they're not as good at hunting, blah, blah, blah. So gossip actually was one of the first original forms of conversation. So I I have like an affinity for that word because I think it started us communicating and storing at all. But we know as women, and this is maybe a good segue circling back into the competition, the women in competition, which I think is just such an important topic to talk about. Uh, It can quickly and it's a slippery slope move into creating these like tribal lines and these divisions between women and when we're not being open we're just talking about people without including them so let's talk about competition I know it's heavier than the sex (laughs) conversation that we were about to jump into (laughs) but competition between women really irks me it really does um, it's one of the things that breaks my heart I think more than anything else on this planet is witnessing a an entire community of people who have been on the you know the not receiving end of oppression and the power under structure and women have been fighting and fighting and fighting to kind of move their voices forward and move their movements forward. And 
when we're in competition with each other, it really saddens me. And I realize that this is a much deeper conversation about what the system has created and the stories that the system has told us we need to be in competition with one another around our looks or around our successes, et cetera, et cetera, or the best home and the best homemaker, whatever that Ugh. looks like. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are system issues. So I just want to like kind of put that out there first that it didn't start with women against women. It started with a system that has pitted us against one another. But now in our modern life, and especially as entrepreneurs, we have five people sitting in the room who are all coaches who presumably are all doing the same work in a competitive fashion, looking for the same clients. Um, I don't necessarily believe that's true. In fact, I don't believe that's true at all. And we are all deeply connected as not only friends, but also as entrepreneurs and as business women. Can somebody talk to this competition thing? I really, it just really irks me. Well, I can just uh, say something if you don't mind if I pop in there. Go. I was just thinking, um, even a year ago, I had an experience with someone who was helping me sort of navigate something I was doing. And I was quite triggered by her because the next day in a business, something she was doing, um, all of a sudden I heard all of my words and all of my ideas coming out of her mouth. Mm. And it was really interesting in mm. that I was triggered by that and mm. I was I was pissed off at the time. And it took me a while to step back from that and realize that what I needed to know is that the information I shared with her obviously resonated with her. It was useful to her and she appreciated that. And that was tough to step away from. Mm -hmm. And then taking it back. Because everyone's telling you you should be flattered. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was challenging. And then also just thinking about like if thinking if you're say offering a similar program to someone in the same week, I have 10 spots, they have 10 spots, and they sold their 10 spots before I did, thinking that that, you know, in past, I thought, that, thought of that as I was doing something wrong. But now I'm realizing that's not what it is at all. It's just timing. It just may be who their friends are, who their audience are, or what's going on for them, and the energy that's really around everything that's happening for them. So I think that competition, I don't even really want the word competition. I would just mm -hmm. think people's adventures and people's journeys find and navigate their own ways that they need to. And we just need to think if someone else is doing well, then we need to be happy for them and just really be proud of them and maybe even share a little bit of gratitude to the universe and even to them and tell them that you're proud of them. So I think that that brings you better stuff your way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you, Kathy. So interesting. I am blessed mala beads, yeah. right? We do workshops. Mm -hmm. So I teach people how to make malas. And there's this one girl um, who created a business from that and she now sells uh, mala beads and they look very similar to mine mm -hmm. uh and because in your workshops you actually teach how to tie them yeah i do where to put the beads like i mean you really go i've been to your workshop and i mean they're wonderful by the way thank and you I have some great product from it but you go pretty in depth and you share a lot of the how-to I do, and a lot of even the history and mm. the stories around what, what a Malibu is. But it really triggered me in the beginning. I felt like I was being, like somebody was stealing from me, you know? But then it was actually my husband. I was talking to him about it, and he said to me, Listen, Haley, people are buying your mala beads because it's you. It's the energy that you are putting into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yes, your mala beads are beautiful, but... It's because it's you. And I know, like, it's it's easy to hear that from your husband he, who loves you and you know what I mean? But it felt 
really amazing to, to, to feel that and to actually embrace it so that now when I see her malas, I'm like, okay, those are really beautiful. And I bet your customers are really happy with the energy you put into it. My customers are really happy with the energy I put into it. Let's just like, how many people are there in the world? Really, I, I guess it's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I try not to think about it as competition now. I think of it like we're colleagues and we're really teaching the same message. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, you know, meditation with mala beads is, is a really amazing thing to help people with, especially, I, I mean, it saved my life when it came to like affirmation work and uh, dealing with the anxiety that I had at that time. It really helped me so, so very much. So if I can do that with my work and if she can do that with her work, then we're really raising the, the vibes of the planet together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so Impacting glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Jess, what about you? Have you experienced this competition between women, either in business or otherwise? Uh, probably in both, but um, I think specifically with the business stuff, I've experienced it on both ends. One where I've shared content or information and another coach has used almost word for word exactly that same content. Um, and same thing with Haley. It sort of triggered me and made me really look at why that was bothering me and why that was um, impacting me negatively. Um, had to do some work around that and really reframe the way I looked at it and actually looked at her with a bit more compassion after thinking it through a little bit more because I thought to myself like to be in her position and to not be able to come up with her own content and have to use other people's that's an unfortunate place to be and so that way I was looking at it through compassion but I think also the other end of it is when you're putting out new content and you can see that everybody else and their dog has already put something out like that and you don't want to be that competition for other people, but it's also an idea that you have. So being cognizant of how you come up with ideas and how you present those ideas and if you're stepping on other people's toes. So I kind of see it from both sides. Because um, I do see, you know, you come up with an idea and you go to put it out and the next day somebody else has just put the same thing out. Um, it's, you know, coaching. There's a lot of different coaches out there now and we all have sort of the same ideas. So, yeah, just being aware of other people and what they're putting out and when they're doing it and just trying not to step on toes and be conscious of it. Or hire an innovation coach that can help you with your content. I love that you brought up like, so the, yeah. not stepping on other people's toes because mm-hmm. I was thinking that just before you were saying it about I've been quite conscious in the last year and a half of if someone's doing an event at a location, I'm like, oh, I want to do it there. Well, now I can't do it there because that's where they're doing their stuff. I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to be seen as that person. I think maybe because I had that experience myself. But then I'm like, well, is that also a deficit of mine then? If I'm worried about stepping on toes, is that because I'm not feeling worthy or I'm feeling like, I don't know what that's about. It's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And we talked about this on a recent episode. I think it was our creativity episode about the fact that we can have these creative ideas and then they kind of float around the universe and then whoever is ready to kind of pull that down ground and manifest it is the person that it is perceived that it manifested with, which doesn't necessarily mean that that idea was entirely creative from the source, right? I mean, actual true creativity is pretty hard to to really define, to do something that has never, ever, 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 ever been thought of done before like we're talking like Einstein level theory <laughs> mm-hmm. of relativity exactly. well Type Google was not the first search engine Google was not the first. <laughs> there you go amen <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I think competition competition's tough. And we talked about this on the creativity episode, as I said, about um, the fact that I've always wanted to do things that are different. I always want to be a first mover. I never want to do anything that looks like anything anyone else has ever done. I mean, that's my own thing. I probably need a clearing, Kathy, <laughs> about you know showing up in any way that looks like a replica. Um, and I've done that too with the unapologetically her show. I really, really want to be different. I want it to be a unique experience. I do not want people showing up at my event and being like, that was like every other event I've ever been to. I really want it to be unique. And that's a, a word I circle over and over and over again. Every time I strategize about this event is what is different? What is different about this? And that, I think that fear probably does hold me back from time to time. And it creates a lot of anxiety. Has this been done before? Has the speaker been heard? Has this person, person's message been um, seen before? And sometimes uh, it isn't in the realm of competition. It's really just competition with myself. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, am I doing the biggest, best thing? But um, mm. God, yeah, I get, I mean, I want to say I get copied all the time, but I don't, I want to kind of remove my ego out of that as well and say that it's possible that the ideas are just being grabbed onto and manifested elsewhere as well. And as Haley said, there is a need in me to, to move the mission of women's voices, putting women's stories at the forefront, talking about courage, talking about vulnerability, talking about the things that really matter, and ultimately paying women for their voice and for their work. I mean, people have, have put this forward before, but I'm going to grab onto that as well. So as many people that can grab onto that message as possible, mm -hmm. like, go for it, ladies. Of course. Just absolutely. Like, I hope that that really resonates and, and people continue to keep that ball rolling um, and in the meantime, please don't troll me and be a bully and be competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have a really sensitive heart. <laughs> on that note, I really, I hate ending on, on competition, but I'll end on sensitive heart. And I think that's a good place to really close this podcast about making female friendships because showing up as a sensitive person, showing up as a heart centered person, showing up in compassion and really with the mission that you want to connect to somebody else, that you really want to see them and have those moments of validation and, and mirroring each other, I think is a really, really beautiful endeavor for all of us. So thank you again so much for listening, Connections. And thank you again to our sponsor, Nude Von Casoda, who made me talk about hemorrhoids today, I think. If you are still with us and have hung in till the end of this episode, you are officially connected please head on over to Unapologetic Connections and also the unapologeticallyhershow.com website and read all about what we're doing to support women's voices, to put women together in rooms, to really open up these stories and to create the friendships that will last forever, just like me and the four of you and all the other people that are a part of this movement with me. And also leave us an honest review. Please, please, please. Our agency stands for a ton of things, but most of all, real truth, and real connection. And I'm going to add today, real friendship. Thank you for connecting with us. You are now our friends. Until next week. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.